I think we pulled that off pretty good. with Andy and Andy. Uh, once again, I am Andy Brown, and alongside me, on the other line, we have... Andy Sanford. Andy Sanford, indeed. Um, <laughs> so, this weekend, um, you had a birthday. I did. And Another many, revolution around the sun. Yeah. How many years so far is it that you've avoided the sweet release of death? <laughs> Um, this year I am the answer to all questions and the riddle of the universe or whatever the fuck it is. Which is what? 42. 42. Don't, don't know you that. know Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? Uh, I've never read it. I mean, I, I barely I know it and I know that 42 thing. No, I, I watched the movie once and I never read it. <laughs> I, I haven't read it or watched the movie. <laughs> and you even knew that? Wow, damn. Yeah. <laughs> guess i live under a rock um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a rock called idaho Indeed. you live under a potato that, that is very true which are basically <laughs> that's like the rocks of uh vegetables are potatoes uh, yeah actually I, I threw away some potatoes today that was like they were growing these things out of them i'm i'm meant to go look that up like what that is yeah it's uh it's pretty freaky yeah like the the eye of the potato and it starts growing like the roots out from it. Yeah. 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 That's <laughs> weird looking. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, for your birthday this year, you did, uh, something pretty damn cool. So, uh, why don't you tell us about it? Yeah. I went, well, it was the night before my birthday, but I went to the, um, star Wars live at the Atlanta symphony orchestra. And, uh, I've never actually, I don't recall ever, going to see the Atlanta Symphony before. Maybe I did when I was a little kid, but I have no memory of seeing an actual orchestra besides when right I was on. in band in middle school and whatever. So that's cool. That's my... Song. Yeah. So, and, and I'd been looking for a reason, and, and often they do the music of Star Wars um, night-type deals, mm. but this one I saw advertised, it was the actual... They were going to show A New Hope, or just Star Wars, as some people would consider it and um with the orchestra playing the soundtrack live with the movie so um we get we get there and i had bought the cheap seats up in the balcony and i i checked before we went the ticket sales and like saturday nights was pretty much sold out friday nights was maybe had 20 30 tickets but thursday night had a pretty big chunk of tickets open so when we get there and are walking into the balcony, they offer us a, an upgrade for free, and we ended up in, like, the seventh row. It was row F, so whatever letter that is. 
And at first I was concerned that it might be too close to the screen, but the screen was huge and it was just, it wasn't really that much of a look up and we were like face to face with the orchestra and sound wise, I couldn't imagine that there would have been a better spot. So that turned out pretty sweet. And then uh, the actual thing was just, I mean, it was, it was really cool to hear the music live as the soundtrack and the best parts were the the parts of the movie where the music carries it like the 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 space scenes and sure. you know the vader marching scenes and and mm. those were definitely the highlights you know the the they didn't have like a super awesome movie theater sound system pumping out the dialogue and the special effects so that part was kind of weak but the orchestra was so awesome that it was pretty much made up for it yeah i'm sure but um awesome the only the only slight disappointment I have was they didn't play the Cantina song live. They just let that go from the the movie soundtrack. Hmm. So I I don't know if it was like they didn't have the right instruments to do that with the orchestra. I don't know. You know. I think they could at least have played the tune. I you would know? think, but maybe they just didn't think they could do it authentically because all of the you know the, all the John Williams stuff was you know I mean it was it was exact and i was close enough to see the conductor had a little uh screen with the movie running and like a visual metronome thing so that they were able to keep it perfectly in sync throughout that's awesome now this uh, it was it was it was an awesome experience and i had a really good time and uh, i'd love to do something like that again but the my experience also gives me an opportunity to go on uh, a slight rant all right Go for it. Um, it's like the one thing left in this universe that really fucking irritates me is people talking about stupid shit <laughs> during a yeah. performance. Yeah. Like clapping and shouting and hollering. Like when they first broke into the 20th century theme and the opening theme, people broke out in cheers. And that's awesome. But, like, you know, during a quiet part where the band's not even really playing and, and you know, as far as that part, there's not much going on, that's not the time to have a fucking conversation. This thing is like an hour and a half long, maybe two hours with yeah. the intermission. You know, what, whatever you've got to say can wait. Yeah, definitely. And it's, it's, it's super annoying at concerts with, like, rock bands because it'll be good and loud and everyone's into it and having a good time. And then they try and like, you know, bring it down, play something quiet and guaranteed there's 10 or 15 people. Yep, like, Oh, absolutely. I can hear you now. Absolutely. Let's talk about some yep. stupid shit. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Makes it, it just pulls me out of the moment all the time, every time, you know, and, and I'm trying so hard to like overcome that because it is the, the one thing that just gets under my skin still. Yeah. So yeah, there was a couple people near us that were like, it was like they were like, uh, kind of making snarky Star Wars comments, like they're they're kind of Star Wars is a, a you know just a cool hipster thing or whatever, and you know like they were watching it in their living room and trying to make jokes about you know dialogue right. and shit, and they were doing it pretty quietly, but it, uh, enough to where I could hear them on occasion, and it just I was like, you're the fucking symphony man, have some respect for the fucking musicians on stage. And what they're doing, and shut the fuck up, you know. <laughs> yeah, that uh, that calls to mind something for me. It's not exactly the same thing, but it basically ruined uh, this baseball game for me. Um, my friend and I, uh, one summer, we went on a road trip and went to like all these different baseball stadiums. 
Um, and one of nice. them we hit was uh, old Tiger Stadium. Um, and you know how uh, right field, the right field bleachers hung out literally over the field? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so we got tickets right there um, in the right field bleachers Sweet. just for that. It was cool. Um, except there was, like, this guy there, this, like, uh, middle-aged guy with his son who uh, they were playing the Twins, and they were heckling uh, Matt Lawton uh, every time he was in right field, which, right. you know, that's a little annoying to begin with. But if, if you're good at heckling, um, it can be kind of funny and entertaining. Um, but right. literally all these two did was the entire baseball game just go, Lawton! Hey, Latin. Just that for the whole game. It was like the most fucking annoying thing. Um, yeah. Yeah, I hate that stuff. When people are talking about uh, what's going on in front of them instead of like actually watching what's going on in front of them. Um, yeah, I mean, it's like you're you're here to watch a band. You're uh, presumably a fan of this band, and presumably. I know you're. Maybe it's a social thing, and you're there with friends. But you're gonna hang out after the show or before the show, and there's 22 yeah, other hours in the way. day to talk your damn head off. You know. Yep, absolutely. Um, so, uh, any other thoughts you want to share about that? <laughs> I think I made my point. All right. <laughs> Um, so, uh, I too had, a a really interesting experience, uh, this weekend involving a movie. Um, however, I just went to a regular movie, um, because, uh, my girlfriend got her tax return, um, on Friday. So we decided, Hey, we'll go, uh, see a movie this weekend. Cause we don't go to movies all that often. And at first, yeah. uh, I was going to go see, or we were going to go see uh, Black Panther, you know, because everybody's seeing it. It's this huge hit. It's very well yeah. reviewed and all that. But I'm not a huge uh, Marvel movie fan um, or just comic, I'm not either. comic book movies in general. Um, in fact, my favorite Marvel movies so far are uh, Ant-Man and then the two Guardians of the Galaxy. Cause I did really fine. like Doctor Strange, but I, I tend to wait I for Blu-ray on all those. Or Netflix I just watch or whatever. Whatever's on like Netflix or um, HBO. I think Doctor Strange is on Netflix now, and it's it's uh, it's pretty trippy. I think you'd enjoy it. I might check it out. Um, but so on Saturday, like I was just like uh, you know surfing the web, like as one does. Um, Scrolling I, on by. I read a few things about this movie that I hadn't even heard of at all until it came out this weekend, um, and. Like, the more that I read and the more stuff that I saw about it, I was like, okay, I fucking have to see this movie. Um, and the film is called uh, Annihilation. Have you heard anything about it? I have not. All right. So uh, it's directed by this guy called uh, Alex Garland. Um, he wrote... Are you British or something? Yeah, he's British. Uh... <laughs> no, I'm saying, are you? <laughs> Am I British? No. It's this guy. He's called... Uh... That's a British thing. Uh, maybe I've been uh, watching too much football. Um, <laughs> anyway, so uh, he wrote the novel uh, called The Beach um, that got adapted into a screenplay for the movie The Beach. I don't know if you remember that. It had like Leonardo DiCaprio on, in it. Yeah, that, that sounds vaguely familiar. 
What? It's like these uh, teenagers that go to this idyllic beach, and then eventually they all end up going insane. Um, and then Sounds he pleasant. wrote uh, he wrote the script for both Twenty Eight Days Later uh, and Sunshine, um, which I think are Danny Boyle's two best movies. Um, and then he also wrote and directed uh, this movie that came out a couple years ago, and I didn't see it, um, but it's been very well reviewed um, and kind of did a decent amount of money called uh, Ex Machina. Did you see that? Haven't seen it, but I have heard of it. Yeah. Um, so it was basically like some of these albums that we talk about where they gave him this $40 million budget based on Ex Machina and then he filmed it and he turned it into the studio. I believe it was Paramount and they were like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> nice. What are we supposed to do with this? Um, so they didn't let the critics review it at all before it came out. They didn't do any publicity for it whatsoever. And they, did you like any test screenings or anything? They did test screenings and it did mediocre. Um, gotcha. And so then they sold the international distribution rights to Netflix, um, just to kind of lock in whatever they'd get and basically just trying to minimize their losses on it. Um, right. And it's fucking amazing. Like it blew my mind open. Um, I'd compare it in different ways to um, Stalker. as like a 1979 Russian movie. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen it. Um, and also like Upstream Color, um, Under the Skin, Event Horizon a little bit, uh, Arrival. And there's even like some 2001 and Apocalypse Now in there. Um, cool. And like the basic storyline is that there's this meteor that hits uh, this lighthouse in the Florida panhandle. Um, and it creates kind of like this sort of disturbance and it just starts spreading until it's spread throughout all of the um, this huge section of the Florida panhandle in the in the swamps and so Natalie Portman is the main character and her husband uh, who's played by Oscar Isaacs he volunteers to go on a mission she doesn't know where he's going but he volunteers to go on a mission inside of it what's called the shimmer um, and he's gone for a year uh, MIA presumed killed and then she's like painting their bedroom one day and crying and he just walks into the bedroom and except he has no idea like who he is what happened to him like anything he's totally clueless and then he starts coughing up blood and uh goes into seizures and they try rushing him to this hospital and the ambulance gets uh pulled over by like government helicopters and black vehicles and uh they hit uh, Natalie Portman with a sedative and take her husband. And when she comes to, uh, there's a psychologist who like talks to her and like explains sort of what's going on and shows her the simmer shimmer. Um, and eventually she volunteers to join this team that's going into the shimmer. And so far they, they've sent drones in, they've sent all these teams of military people in and nobody or nothing has ever come out of it. And, I don't want to give too much 
way beyond that, but it's very, very psychedelic. Uh, in the middle of it, there's uh, kind of an action set piece with like a mutated bear that's fucking like terrifying. Um, Interesting. Yeah, and it's just really great, like uh, psychological um, science fiction. And then the last act comes like the last 20 25 minutes and i think that's where they lost their um test audiences because it's <laughs> crazy like crazy um yeah and I, Sounds uh, interesting. so yeah so anybody listening uh you should definitely um so let's a see hot- a sci-fi movie with natalie portman and oscar isaacs hmm uh-huh <laughs> Wonder where they got the idea to put them in sci-fi. <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. <laughs> um, and anybody listening, you should get a really high-powered edible. Uh, go watch it. <laughs> and if you have access to uh, mushrooms and want to go watch a movie, I would highly recommend it. And specifically, uh, you should go see it, Andy, because... I think you would both really like it, uh, and I want to talk to somebody about it besides just my girlfriend. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty uh, you crazy. know, I, I probably won't end up seeing it in a theater, but <laughs> once, one, <coughs> excuse me, once I can watch it at home, I'm sure I will check it out. Oh man, you really should watch it in a theater, though. Um, uh, well, I'll, you know what? I'll see if my uh, I'll see if my, uh, ha- my me and my half brother go see movies sometimes. I'll see if he wants to go see it with me. All right. Uh, although, how's your? Uh, I imagine it's probably pretty good. But how's your home theater sound system? Oh, it's fucking sweet, man. Okay, then maybe you could say because <laughs> that that's a big part of it is the soundtrack. The soundtrack is fucking yeah. amazing. It's great. I I built my uh, surround sound system to be able to. Uh, be good for surround sound music so i have matched um polk speakers on both the front and back sweet so it's yeah it's it's it works real good for movies too all right okay uh i'd still recommend seeing it in the theater um yeah i'll I'll see if but you can probably uh, do it just a second yeah um and i'll I'll uh, see it at some point i'm sure i'll drop the uh uh link to the trailer in the description so um that'd be cool so, for a change, uh, this week, did you listen to Titus Andronicus, The Monitor? I did. I did. I was able to listen required? to it. All right. <laughs> what, was the, what was the rest of that question? I said, uh, did you do the very minimum required this time? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Um Anyway, so what did you think of that one? I mean, th- listen, there's there's albums that I love that sometimes it's a long time before I listen to it a second time, yeah. just because there's so much music I listen to and and all music I'm working on and yeah, and you I listen to my own music that. a lot, so you know it just it, it, uh, the Titus I I've I enjoyed more than anything else you've given me so far. Excellent. It, I the first uh, three songs were real good, and I think it was the fifth song, and then it you know it kind of got. A little, I don't want to say tedious, but a little samey there for a couple of songs. And then it they did. picked it back up. And like the last three songs were really strong and I enjoyed it a lot, especially that the last one, the really long one was cool. And um, I thought, uh, you know, they, they kind of reminded me of a louder, more intense pavement. 
Yeah, that's what you um, said, I, and that that makes sense to me. I can see what you. Mean I worked with a guy who was a m- huge. He loved like his two favorite bands with Pavement and The Fall. So I heard like enough Pavement and The Fall for anyone's lifetime, and yeah. so I'm pretty familiar <laughs> with all that stuff. And th- so that was that was kind of the tightest kind. Of gave me a lot of Pavement vibes. Yeah, and it's pretty. Just, r- but then I re-listened to some Pavement, and I realized that Titus is you know uh, much louder. Yeah, and no, I, a I bit can more definitely. aggressive. I can definitely see what you mean, though. Like, kind of the raw um, emphasis on, like, um, (laughs) lo-fi minimalism. The guitar sounded great. Yeah, yeah. And that's the main difference, though, is that it's just really loud and and fast. I could tell you were going for a loud guitar album since I kept going on and on about how it's got to have some loud guitars. Well, actually, I I was more just thinking of kind of like a raw kind of punky stuff that you might like. Um, right from the 2000s period that you might have missed. And, of course, I mean, if the guitar's good, then for you, yeah. that's a, definitely a bonus. Um, but, you know, I don't I don't see myself returning to it. It didn't grab me in a way where I was like, oh, I really want to listen to this more, you know. But then, like I said, right. there's albums that I love that, I mean, there's an album, I think last year I ranked it number 12, and I still have only listened to it twice, you know. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean for sure. Um and one of the things you said in our chat during the week that I think was uh, pretty spot on is where you said that it was an album that you'd put on in the record store. Yeah, yeah. It'd be probably, a good record store album. Yeah, it'd be a very good record store album. Uh, it's pretty hipster. It'll satisfy yeah. people. Yeah. yeah. But with some good that. loud guitars to help me through my day. Yeah. Yep. For sure. <laughs> um, and... Pretty much everything they put out is pretty good. Um, and as you'd imagine, you know, given the style of music it is, they uh, don't have a whole lot of turnaround time in between albums. Uh, right. Put out albums fairly frequently. So, um, pretty much. I imagine they good. probably put on a pretty good live show as well. Yeah, I haven't seen them, but I definitely imagine so. Um, I guess if we ever have uh, Andrew Bellamer on here, we'll have to ask him. So I'm sure he's he's seen them live. Um, probably so. Probably so. And so last week, uh, you gave me Aphrodite's Child. Six, yeah, and six, I had to bite six. my tongue when we started talking about The Wall, and you're like, is there any album that deserves to be a double album? And I'm thinking, shit, I gave him a double <laughs> album. <laughs> well, I, I'm going to prove myself wrong on, on this one, though, on this uh, <laughs> podcast, not specifically about this album, but uh, this episode. Um, oh yeah, it was a very interesting album. Uh, I'll say that it was really experimental, of course, uh, with like their productions uh, and their arrangements. Um, most of the songs were really strong, and we're talking about six 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 by Aphrodite's Child. I don't think we mentioned. Correct. I did say that. Oh, did you? Okay. Yeah. I must have spaced <laughs> out for a second. <laughs> um. And the Book of Revelations concept, that was kind of cool, um, even if they didn't like totally stick to it at all. Um, <laughs> they also, But most of their lyrics that weren't about that were like kind of 60s peace and love kind of stuff, and I don't mind that at all. And right. in a lot of places, um, specifically on uh, The Beast, um, track 15. Who it, can fight the beast? Yeah, <laughs> it had kind of a hammy like... <laughs> Yeah, it was like a Rocky Horror or Jesus Christ Superstar <laughs> kind of vibe, which 
I yeah, also yeah. dug that. Um, there was some stuff though that like kind of bored me a little bit where they just kind of did like long jammy, like noodling that didn't really too far out there. Yeah. It's kind of like the grateful dead, you know, like that. And I really don't like the grateful dead. Um, (laughs) Uh, but that, that pretty much covers, uh, the first album, the first two sides. And then the second record is super weird. Um, yeah. Like, I'm not sure if I like Infinity. That like I was, I have, I have to call my own, I have to call my house. Like, and the female That's pretty orgasm, good yeah, as like representing something deep about <laughs> life. But on the other hand, like I was not ready for it at all. And the whole time I was like, "What the fuck is this?" Yeah. Um, so that's <laughs> something, you know, uh, <laughs> to engender that kind of reaction. Uh, and then after that, uh, was Hick and Nunk with like the faux. Here and now. Yeah. The like faux live show kind of thing. And that song <laughs> is Sergeant really Pepper thing. cool. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, they had sample callbacks to stuff from like earlier in the record. Yeah. And then there was all seats were occupied and that <laughs> is a 19 minute jam song that I, I got a little bit bored at first. And uh, yeah. Then they started like again like sampling vocal tracks from earlier and like they just started like switching like tempos and um <laughs> Cutting time signatures tapes. and like calling back to things earlier in the album and like musically it just kept like changing and evolving and it never like got stuck in like a single place. Um so for me personally, if you are gonna do a twenty minute jam song um (laughs) that's how you should do it um and i think my favorite bit on that song was uh, i think it was about like 60 percent into it or so um they called back to one of the cool poppier moments from the album i don't remember exactly what song it was and at the exact same time they played like a sample of like that i was i am i am to come i Uh am i am to come and then right <laughs> after that, like shifted the whole thing into like a very much darker place with a harder edge. And yeah. it was like, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. And then break was a, a pretty cool closer as well. Um, so I think there was definitely a lot of stuff on it that I could have done without. Uh, but there was a whole lot of stuff on it that was really, really cool. Um, I guess well, I think also it would have been better with an like, like uh, Ogden's Nut Gone Flake. I, there's not another album that sounds like that album. No, no. I mean, it contains elements of things. I mean, there's definitely a lot of Beatles influence, and there's things to me that actually sound like things that came out later, like Flaming Lips, Wing, yeah, Jane's Addiction, and you know. So it's it's just it's bizarre. I mean, there's just there's no other album like that album. Yeah. But it's good and yeah. musical, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's really good. Um, it's yeah, not like it, metal machine music or something. No, no. <laughs> yeah, where it's like something you've never heard anywhere else. And, and you, you don't, don't ever want to hear. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, it was cool. Um, Here's something you've never heard before, and this is why. <laughs> yeah, this is why no one has done this. Uh, and no one ever will again. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> For uh, another example, see uh, Bob Dylan's self-portrait. Um, 
And uh, yeah. So, what do you have for me this week? Okay, so this week, um, in a off podcast uh, chat, at some point we were discussing um, female musicians, right? Our favorite yep. female, either female front of bands or whatever, and so. I wanted to give you uh, Desire's Magic Theater by Person, and that that uh, band is well studio. It's pretty much all uh, Rosalie Cunningham, and she's probably my favorite female musician slash artist slash songwriter, whatever that you know throughout music history. So gotcha, and uh, so yeah. The album is pretty much her. She writes everything, plays all the music except for the drums, and then she had a you know a band live, and they were great live, and and this is a uh, probably their their best album. And she at this point the band is no more, and she's going solo. But it, since the band was all her anyways, it's just really you know matter. how she wants yeah. to present herself. Is there a genre you'd throw it in? Uh, it's kind of, uh, psych pop fuzz hybrid stuff. You know, it's like, it's my thing. You'll know why I love it right away. (laughs) And I think you'll, I think you'll dig it too. Her, her favorite band is the Beatles and there's, there's lots of Beatles in there, but, uh, it's, you know, definitely done with a very, uh, a psych edge and, uh, and that kind of that folk psych, female folk psych, early seventies thing. Right on. But it's, uh, yeah, I think you'll dig it. All right. Um, so this is one uh, I, I asked you about because uh, you I had played uh, one of the songs when we did the Beatles and Rolling Stones episode, and you mentioned that you'd heard this song, and then I asked you. I had heard that song. I'm not yeah. sure where or when, but I definitely had. <laughs> and I asked you in chat if uh, you'd ever really listened to them, and you hadn't. Um, so I I'm I had, recommending no. Art Brute, and the name of the album is Art Brute versus Satan. And basically, they're kind of a minimalist art project uh, as a punk rock band. Um, their first album, like, that gets the most, like, indie fan love. But for me, this one's their best. And it's their third record, and it was uh, produced by Frank Black. Um, people might have heard of that guy. And Yeah, I think we talked about him recently. Yeah, recently. And I like this one the most because it's uh, the most direct, I think, with uh, kind of their central conceit, which is like punk rock filtered through a modern art lens. And the lyrics are about kind of like day-to-day normal kind of stuff and kind of like banal thoughts about bands or whatever, but it like really (laughs) works. Um, Like they have a a song about the replacements who I know you don't like very much on this album. And it's like, just, it's really good. Um, well, I mean, if it's something like the replacements suck, really, really <laughs> bad. I mean, I can, I can get into that. No, you'll, you'll see. I think, I think you'll <laughs> like, I think you'll like that song better than you like the replacements. Gotcha. Um, it's, <laughs> well, that it's, won't be difficult. No, uh, it's all kind of meta. Um, I guess I'll, put it gotcha. that way and i'm particularly interested uh so make a note of this at some point uh what you think about the song uh demons out um so anyway we'll see what i you have think made note of it one. all right 
Uh, oh, so we've gotten this far in the podcast, and we haven't even mentioned uh, the bands that we're covering this week. Oh, yeah. Oh, I dropped the ball. Well, I'm sure it'll be in the title of the episode, so people will yeah, know. Yeah, well, Yeah, people will know going in. Yeah, so this week we decided to cover the Sex Pistols and The Clash, both punk rock bands, but British very punk. different. But very British. different British punk bands. And, uh, this is my British usual, voice. That's a not a bad British voice, I have to say. Um, <laughs> Nigel approves. And per usual, right. we'll play into it with a clip. Is a clip.
say first that uh i prefer the clash to the sex pistols um i think the clash were the first punk band that really kind of broke the mold of just being a punk band and evolved that further into branching out doing uh different styles of music while staying punk um and kind of i think for a minute there were probably the most important rock and roll band on the planet at the time um and i like the sex pistols um i definitely don't love the sex pistols um i kind of like the sex pistols more as a a concept than they actually worked in reality um so why don't you go ahead and uh give your initial pick here well i gotta go with the sex pistols i mean you know they've only really got that one album and and yeah. not much to speak of really but that one album is really good and i really like it and you know we'll talk about that and and the clash i'm just kind of meh yeah well uh i mean i you know i would certainly wouldn't say the sex pistols are one of my favorite bands or that's one of my favorite albums of all time or anything but it's a good album uh i i would i would definitely go pistols over clash all right um well, I guess uh, we might as well go ahead right into it. Uh, we'll start with the Sex Pistols. Um, and I've only listened to the one album um, and the singles. And you have like a three-disc set, you said? So well, yeah. So I was going to yeah. say, uh, you know, they really had that, that one album. But over the years, there was a bunch of, you know, dodgy releases, you know, trying to capitalize on the name. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so... There's songs here and there, you know, but this this uh, 35th anniversary super deluxe of Nevermind the Bullocks has got that album. It's got all the B-sides. Right. It's got two sets of demos that both sound really good, you know, studio demos and and then two reasonable quality bootleg live shows from 77. So, I mean, that's pretty much everything you need from the Sex Pistols all in one package. Yeah. And taking that as their their overall catalog i mean that makes their overall catalog pretty strong because that album is really good yeah it is it it really is uh like i would say holiday in the sun is just a great album opener Um, oh yeah it's raw and upfront like basically fucking rocks yeah exactly uh what the sex pistols were about um it's just re- it's a really good rock and roll album. I mean, with you know now looking back, you can see that Johnny Rotten's voice it's not that far from say like Liam Gallagher, really. No, you know, well, they, his voice doesn't really matter. I mean, yeah, true. Know, like the but the it's a good rock and roll 
British yeah. rock and roll voice. Yeah, the big thing with him was just the attitude. Um, and so I do I do have to uh, note a definite negative that I have uh, about the song Bodies. Uh, and it, it's a really good song, uh, just the musical part of it. But and I know you're not. It almost sounds like an Aerosmith riff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know you're not uh, too big on lyrics, but uh, I like recoil at the lyrics to that song. Um, it's just Johnny Rotten being pretty fucking reactionary about abortion, and like especially. I mean, he at this point he's like a Trump supporting full on reactionary now. And, like, to me, that's kind of, like, sums up a lot of the problem I have, actually, with uh, the Sex Pistols and uh, John Lydon in particular. Like, it's kind of a nihilistic and reactionary view on the world, and I can't totally get down with it. Um, but on the other hand... Yeah, I, mean, I, can't, I can't argue with that, and, I mean... You know, I could I could see that's totally understandable, but I mean, I'm, when I'm thinking of the Sex Pistols, I'm pretty much just thinking of the the music on that album. You know, for sure, yeah. And I mean, God Save the Queen is fucking great. Um, <laughs> Anarchy in the UK, that's like an atomic bomb. Problems is really good. No feelings. Yep. Seventeen is great. Um, and, and there's, then, I can't remember which song. I think it's, I think it's Liar. I think there's, uh, but there's Liar's one song on there. If you listen to the first 10 seconds of that song and then go listen to the first 10 seconds of, uh, It's So Easy by Guns N' Roses, it's, it's the same song. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> they had good taste in who they ripped off from then. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, uh, of course, uh, No Feelings. That one's great. That's what I was just singing. Oh, yeah. You did. I guess I spaced <laughs> out for a second. Uh, pretty vacant's cool, and uh, yeah, EMI. Yeah, I think that's their that's their best song, at least musically, is EMI, and it's also pretty cool and ballsy that it was about their own record company. Um, eh, Leonard Skinner had already done it. Yeah, yeah. working for MCA. That's true. That's true. Um, <laughs> Shouldn't have signed that contract. And Steve Jones was actually a, because the sex specials kind of get derided by certain people as like not uh, being at all good, like uh, yeah, that, that, as musicians. Steve Jones but, is good. There's some great yeah, guitars Steve on Jones that album. Really good. Yeah, Steve Jones is a really good guitar player. Um, and great production too. I really liked uh, that documentary about him, The Filth and the Fury. I don't know if you saw that I'm one. not sure if I've seen that. Yeah, you should check it out. It's cool. Okay. Uh, especially because anytime they have a quote from Malcolm McLaren, uh, the image they show on the screen is a guy in like full uh, leather S&M suit. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, so that was cool. And uh, of course, uh, you know, State of Nancy is a great movie. Um, I've seen that, yeah. Even though, in reality, uh, Sid was basically just a vacuous pretty boy who couldn't play bass, and um, yeah, and then became a heroin junkie who did or did not did not 
murder his junkie girlfriend. Uh, it's another one of those rock mysteries. Um, so he's just like a, an an upside down world Justin Timberlake. <laughs> Basically, yeah. <laughs> Justin Timberlake, except uh, uh, and the Sex Pistols. Really, they were they were pretty much the punk rock monkeys. Yeah, they were. They were definitely. I mean, it was totally manufactured, put together yeah. thing. Yeah. But it's good, you know. So that the monkeys were fucking great. You the know? monkeys I mean, were good. If, if yeah, if 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 what you manufacture turns into something cool, then I'm fine with that. You know. Yeah, in fact, that's like a that's a you know when you've achieved uh, like music nerd fan. Uh, if it turns into puddle status. of mud, then we've got problems. Uh, once you <laughs> hit that realization that wait, the monkeys were actually good. That's yeah. when you know, yeah. You've made a breakthrough. Over. Yep, you've hit the highest level. Um, the monkeys are fucking great. They are. They're great. You've seen Head, <laughs> right? Uh, you know, I'm not sure that I've watched that movie from start to finish. I've listened to the soundtrack a hundred times, but I'm not sure. You, you should at least I think I've seen it. scenes from it or whatever. You should at least give it one watch. I mean, I can't, I can't recommend it yeah, as a whole, yeah. but you, you should give it a watch. Um, gotcha. As far as the Sex Pistols, though, I mean, I guess I just don't really like John Lydon. I mean, I understand what he was shooting for all the time, and I can appreciate it, but like, I don't know. It just comes off as like acting like kind of like a toddler all the time, and it's just the a cool thing nihilistic for me about John Lydon to me, and it's it's probably you know more real than any of his persona that he puts out there is that when i'm like digging deep 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 into the underground of like weird private press albums that there was like 50 copies of and mm-hmm. nobody knows about it and you can always count on finding out at some point that john lyden has a copy so huh. he, he 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 is a massive record collector and gets into some like really weird cool underground shit so that you know, that that's at least one point in his favor, I guess. Well, I, the next thing that I was I was going to bring up is that I'm actually, if anything, I'm a bigger fan of uh, Public Image Limited than I am of uh, the Sex Pistols. Uh, yeah, I could never get into the music on on them. No, I like it. They had a couple songs I like in it. there. I like it a lot, um, and I'm I'm sure you've seen this, and for anybody who hasn't, I'll drop a link in the description uh i'm sure you've seen right their appearance public image limited's appearance on american bandstand yeah i've seen that (laughs) (laughs) that's good stuff yeah uh so if you haven't seen it just to describe it (laughs) so you'll know why you want to see it because you do uh there's different versions of what the backstory of this is but in any case uh they came out to play their first song and john lyden just did not even pretend to lip sync and walks out into the audience with the microphone (laughs) and then starts pulling people up onto the stage uh until by the end of the song like the entire audience pretty much is on the stage 
and the band isn't even pretending to pay their instruments anymore. And John <laughs> Lydon is just kind of walking through the crowd, like dancing with different people. It's uh, yeah, that's like pure anarchy, uh, which is great. We need to do we need to do a segment sometime on uh, great moments in TV lip sync history because there's <laughs> there's there's some some good stuff to be pointed out. Yeah. I, I like that one. Or uh, this got dismissed as uh, like Sid Barrett going insane. Um, but when oh right, the one where he just stood there, yeah, yeah. Which I don't think that was part of him going insane. I think that was no. I think that was just him. Yep, rebelling. Yeah, just fucking with people. Um, yeah, yeah. That's my thought. Um, you have any more thoughts on the Sex Pistols? I mean, there's not a lot to say. It's, it's they, not a lot, you know. It's not a lot of albums to go through. But it's just you know the the one album they did is great and. Um, like I said, they're not one of my all-time favorites, and that's not one of my all-time favorite albums, but it is a great album. It rocks. I, I enjoyed listening to it a couple times this week, which was the first time I'd listened to it in a while, and I was like, As did yeah. I. yeah. And it was, a, it was an important me. album when I was in eighth, ninth grade, when, when, when me and my friends were getting into Guns N' Roses. That did kind of lead us to stuff like Sex Pistols, and, and, and hearing stuff like that at that age was pretty influential, you know? Well, and, uh, I mean, they. I think, I think that was like the fifth, the fifth CD I ever actually listened to because my friend had it on CD and loaned it to me, nice. and I got in a CD player and had like two CDs. So I was like, "Let me borrow a CD." <laughs> I re- I remember the first few albums I got on CD. That was pretty cool time. Um, and yeah. I, I think they get kind of short shrift actually in in kind of um, their place in rock history a little bit, just because they because of all the. The hype and the nonsense. Yeah, and, and and because they weren't, of course, like uh, among the first punk rock bands. Um, but a lot of what the first like punk rock bands were like on in the New York City scene, right, aren't really like recognizable when you compare it to what came later in punk. If you know what I mean. It didn't right. really. It didn't really fully sound like what we think of as punk rock now. And right. I think the Sex Pistols were like the first band that like put kind of the pure punk rock template in place. Yeah, they they took it and marketed it to a wider audience, and and certainly you know got the 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 punk thing happening on a bigger level. Yeah. Yep. For sure. They were a huge hit um, at the time, and, and it's not a, like they—it's not like they suck like Green Day or something, you know. No, and it wasn't—it uh, <laughs> wasn't watered down either. Like their um, marketing tactic—it was pretty was, raw. Yeah, was the opposite. In fact, they yeah. were going to be the most raw, the most out there, act like the biggest assholes they possibly could. You know, they took a lot of influence from uh, Alice Cooper, actually. For sure, yeah, you can definitely see that. For yeah. sure. Um, Just trying to shock people, you know? Yep. Yep. Um, so. And that's rock and roll. That is rock and roll. And that's why they're better than The Clash. Oh, come on now. Uh, <laughs> speaking of The Clash, around the same time, also putting out a pure uh, punk rock album were The Clash, uh, their uh, self-titled debut. And 
I think, like, just immediately, like, just listening to, like, the first track of The Clash, um, for me, I'm like, okay, yeah, this is obviously way better than the Sex Pistols will ever be. Because uh, the Pistols, like, they had the raw punk thing down pat, but, like, Janie Jones, that's, like, the same vibe, but with uh, way better musicians um, who had, like, thoughts about things beyond just the pure nihilism of the Sex Pistols. And, like, I'm So Bored with the USA, that's straight up fucking punk rock song. Great lyrics, great guitar, fast beat. Um, and uh, White Riot, that's another really great song. And it has a really funky beat. Uh, some minimalist, but fun guitar, and, uh, some of the lines in that song are just fucking hilarious, like, uh, um, black people got a lot of problems, but they don't mind throwing a brick, white people go to school where they teach you how to be thick, uh, or all the powers in the hands of people rich enough to buy it while we walk the street to chicken to even try it, um, and, I mean, like, what's my name, that's a great punk rock song um with the emphasis on the rock part and the whole album is great like it's a punk rock masterpiece and i mean i know that it's like reggae or whatever but i mean you really can tell me that you don't like police and thieves you know i uh i know i've heard this first clash album but the only one i revisited this week was london calling so some of these songs that I know I've heard, I can't immediately recall to mind, but just kind of the overall, you know, vibe I always got from The Clash was just, it just kind of was boring to me, you know, it didn't, it, and I realized, you know, that lots of people love The Clash and, and cite them as highly influential, and like you mentioned in the introduction about being the most important band in the world at some point in time, which I don't know of that time but I, you know so i i get that a part of it is just the, I, it's me that doesn't get it but it, they were just never engaged me i just was always bored and tuned out mentally whenever i was listening to the clash and when, you know when we get to when we get to london calling i can get into it because that's the one i revisited and you know it just brought back all those original initial feelings all right. Uh, I, yeah. This is, we're definitely not going to agree on this one. Uh, goodness. Oh, that's okay. Uh, and so their second album, uh, Give Them Enough Rope, um, it had more of a cleaned up production sound and definitely more professional. Uh, but it was also still pretty hard edged punk. Um, the entire album is really solid uh especially they haven't started getting into reggae yet no not quite yet uh (laughs) although i mean uh, police and thieves was straight up reggae and that was on their first album um but on that one safe european home tommy gun stay free julie's been working for the drug squad like those are all great songs um that's a i mean that's two for two those are two great albums back to back and then um they put out London Calling, and that one. This is the one mind. that everyone says is like the greatest album of all time, and shit. it's it's definitely a classic. And when we were talking about the Wall last week, 
I w- this one slipped my mind because this one definitely, definitely deserved to be a double album. Um, the title song is great. Jimmy's Jazz is dope. Rudy Can't Fail. Spanish Bombs. Uh, Lost in the Supermarket. Uh, Death or Glory. Clampdown. I mean, The Guns of Brixton. Train in Vain. Like, and there's not a weak song on it. And the really huge thing about this album is that it went from just that straight punk sound. Uh, and they also incorporated like reggae, ska, rockabilly, R&B, like lounge jazz, like, and all kinds of other different stuff. And the band were all good enough musicians. And, uh, Joe Strummer was a good enough front man that I, he could pull it off. And yeah, this is, like, London Calling, is like, that's got to be, I would say, probably one of the, at least the top 20, uh, probably best albums ever put out. Well, that's, that's the one I re- revisited this week. And, and you know, it was, it was weird that knowing that that's an album I'd heard probably a dozen times back in the record store days, that some of the songs I just didn't have any memory of hearing before. It just, you know, it was like there was nothing there that caused it to stick with me, you know, just, I, it would, I, which must've meant I was like tuning it out. And, uh, I I don't know. I just, I just kind of find it boring. And, and I mean, whenever white guys start doing reggae, it, 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 I'm just like, no, this doesn't work. And you know, the, the ska thing, you know, uh, I don't know. I, I just, uh, you know, should I stay or should I go? That's pretty much like a, a a classic rock staple, and that song's all right. And and Train of Vane's kind of cool, but everything in between it is just like, for me, is a it's a it's a slog, and I just I just uh, I don't I don't want to or ever need to hear that album again. <laughs> all right, uh, you know what, man? I I'm sorry, I. I gotta take a break. I, I'm sorry. I gotta take a break. Fuck. Holy shit. Hmm. Wow. I mean, we've disagreed on stuff before. I, uh, um. Well, I guess I'm, uh, flying solo here. Um, hmm. Well. I don't really know much about any of the Clash's rest of their albums, and I don't really like the Clash as it is, as we've demonstrated. So, um, I don't know. What are we going to talk Let's talk about, uh, well, what I love the most is stoner rock. And Andy Brown doesn't really listen to much stoner rock, so I try to turn him on to some sleep dope smoker, but, you know, whatevs. I'll give him some Monster Magnet, too. He kind of got into that, but, you know, he's not passionate about it like I am, so... What could we do? We could do uh, Nebula vs. Fu Manchu. I take Nebula. Um, Obsessed vs. St. Vitus. That's a tough one, but I'd probably go with St. Vitus. A bit more classic. Uh, Let's see. uh, hmm. Caius vs. Queens of the Stone Age. I'd probably go Queens of the Stone Age. Those Caius albums were very awesome and influential, but... Uh, Queens are a bit more creative and, uh, I don't know, I like Josh's voice more than John Garcia's. Hmm, well, 
Um, I'm not really good at doing podcasting all by myself. Um, let's see. Um, what's some more stoner rock bands I love? Um, hmm. Well, there's uh, I'm drawing a blank. I'm kind of flustered here, wondering where my co-host has wandered off to and if he's going to come back. <clears throat> he does all the editing for this thing, so um, I don't know what's going on, really. Let's see. Uh, how about some underground 70s heavy rock bands? Let's see. Uh, Pentagram versus Leafhound. I'll go Pentagram, even though Bobby Liebling's turned into kind of an asshole. Um, let's see. How about... Uh, wait. I hear noises in the background. Maybe Andy Brown is coming back. I hope. Is he back? Okay. I don't know. You know what? Oh, he's back. Okay, this is some fucking bullshit, all What's right? up? Like, The Clash are one of the most important and talented bands of all time. They're, like, hugely important in the history of rock and roll. And, like, you dismissing them because they're white guys, like, playing reggae, like, that's the height of, like, uh... I don't know, like, blinkered thinking. Like, I don't know. I I mean... I mean, you didn't get mad when I dismissed the Rolling Stones, and they're pretty important to music history and whatnot. Not like The Clash. Certainly man. more than The Clash. No. All right. Okay. Um, I guess I just don't... I, just, I mean, I admit right, that I don't I get calm. it, you know, but I mean, I it's all it's all subjective opinion, you know? I gotta calm down. All right, um... All right. Well, I guess I guess we might as well uh, finish this out since we already started it. Um, well, I mean, we are coming up on the album that has the one Clash song that I really like, which is "Rock the Casbah." I loved that song when I was a little kid. I had the forty-five, and I still love that song. All right. Yeah, we're getting there. Um, <laughs> I gotta compose myself for a second. You're like the Sharif. Don't like it. It's not kosher. So next up was I'm fucking rocking the Casbah. And uh, after doing a great uh, transcendentally great double album in London Calling, uh, they started sniffing their own farts and decided that they could do anything and that everything they put out would be great. And so they released a triple album uh, that really should have been a single level. Um, there are some really good songs on it, uh, but like Magnificent Seven, um, Somebody Got Murdered, Police On My Back, and Charlie Don't Surf. But mostly it's it's a muddle. Um, it's a real muddle. And lots of people swear by it, even despite all the shitty stuff on that. But to me, it's just, okay, well, there's a lot of shitty stuff in between. Um, waiting for the good songs to come on. And so after that one, uh, they decided to, although, again, to their credit, uh, they did try a lot of different styles on Sandinista, um, which they were always doing, which is cool. Uh, I'm not sure if I've even 
heard that one, but it, it didn't that Charlie Don't Surf, that ended up on like Charles Manson t-shirts. Is that like a pro Manson song? No, it has nothing to do with uh, oh, okay. Charles Manson. Uh, it was based on uh, Apocalypse Now. Remember that line? Charlie Don't Surf. Yeah. I'm just, yeah. yeah. It was about that. Um, and I, you know, I, I dismissed it without giving it a chance, I imagine. Well, on that one, you're not missing all that much. Um, and then their next album uh, went back to basics a little bit. Uh, it's called Combat Rock. Half that album... That's got Rock the Casbah. Yeah, that has Rock the Casbah. And half that album is fucking great. Um, as you said, Rock the Casbah is on it. Um, Should I Stay or Should I Go is on it. Um, Straight to Hell is on it, which that's my favorite Clash song. That's why I picked it for the uh, intro. And Know Your Rights is on there. That's a great song. <laughs> and then the back half of that album is really weird. Um and most of it's pretty crappy, uh, although I do really like uh, Ghetto Defendant. Um, that's the one Allen Ginsberg reads on. And also uh, Death is a Star. That was a cool song. And Well, then... with, with Rock the Casbah easily being the best song in their catalog, I imagine it's the best song on that album and I don't need to listen to it, so that's cool. You don't like Should I Stay or Should I Go? I thought that was uh, on another album. But yeah, I mean, that song's like, you know, it's like, you know, it's a classic rock radio staple. It's decent. Sure. Yeah, it was a big hit. Um, And then, uh, by that point, everybody got really big heads, and they were fighting, and their solution was that they were going to kick Mick Jones out of the band, and then they made this album called cut the crap and they really missed Mick Jones because that album is absolutely uh, unlistenable garbage um, from start to finish. <laughs> so, so they, they named it properly like uh, yeah. cut the crap meaning yeah. this album. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't recommend to anyone uh, to listen to that album. Um, so I guess, uh, I guess you're sticking with the sex pistols here. Yeah, I gotta stay with the Sex Pistols. Uh, I mean, I I get the whole this band is so important thing. I mean, I get that other people think that, and that's fine. It's it, I don't get it, but you know, uh, yeah, nothing nothing we said would change my mind. I'm I'm sticking with Sex Pistols. All right. Um, okay, so yeah, I mean, I'm sticking with the Clash, uh, but. You know what, honestly, Andy, um, after this conversation, I mean, I'm not really sure that I can keep doing this podcast with you. And if, if, I mean, if you're going to completely been, dismiss we've, the clash like that. I mean, we've, we've disagreed before and I mean, I'm, I'm enjoying doing the podcast, but I mean, you know, I didn't really want to do it in the first place and I got other shit I can do. So, I mean, if you don't want to do it anymore, uh, you know, whatevs. All right. Okay. Um, well, I guess we I'm... should at least edit this one and, and put it out there, you know? Yeah, I guess so. Um, so I guess that's that, that then folks. Cool.
I think we pulled that off pretty good. 